Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. So today I'm going to start a little message. It's actually a series with two names, but today is called Build. And then next weekend and probably two to three weekends after that, we're going to do a message called Blueprint. And uh, we're going to be talking about some things that I think will be very beneficial uh, to us here at One Community and what God is doing. So I want to jump into this, and I'm going to give you the text here in just a moment, but we're actually going to go backwards today. We're going to read the text at the end. Generally, you read them at the beginning. We will read it at the very, very end. So here's the good news for you. You know when I say go to this passage, you're going to know he's closing. That's great. All right. So I have a lot of material that I've got to jump through, and we're going to go to it right now. So Let's pray real quick. Father, we, we ask your blessings upon this message. Uh, Father, we pray you would anoint every word, that it wouldn't be my words, it would be your words. Father, I pray over this uh, little thunderstorm that's coming, that, Father, you would calm it down, and I pray that peace would be still, and that we'd be safe and well, and we'd get home well. And we thank you for it. And everybody said, amen. So is everybody with me? Okay, you're probably going to hear rain hitting the roof. You've heard that before. Okay, so nobody go, oh gosh, you know. Okay, so let's jump into it. Let's try to pay attention and let's get, get this done today. It's, it's for a purpose. Our vision here at One Community Church, we have four vision statements. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. That is our vision statement. That is the how to the what. So the what can be summed up in making disciples. And that's not just globally or excuse me, locally, but that's globally as well. We are a church who believes in the great commission that Jesus gave us to go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. This church is a global church. We want to reach people not just here, but all over the world. And this church is doing that. Last year alone, we gave $60,000 towards missions. And I'm telling you, to reach people and to reach souls all across the world, can we give God a big amen for that? Come on, and a hand clap would be good too. What I want to challenge us to do in this new year is I'm believing God that we're going to hit this year in 2024, we're going to see uh, those numbers rise. And I would like to see this church give $100,000 towards missions this, this year. Can we do that? I think that's very possible. I think that's super doable, but it takes all of us uh, doing that. And by the way, everything you give here, 10% of that, that's where it's going. It's going to reach local and globally, and uh, we do that. As we asked you to pay tithe, our church pays tithe as well. And so we want to reach people all over uh, the world. Every vision statement that we have here is personal. It's for you to know God, discover your purpose, and what? Make a difference. But it doesn't speak to the connectivity of what we're doing together as an organization and as a church. Every decision we're making from the smallest to the largest comes together for one aim, and that is building together on purpose. Why? There are gifts and callings that God has given you, and he's called you to build something spiritually. Whatever that is, you fill in the blank. 
There are people sitting next to you on Wednesday nights in your, in your small groups. There are people on Sunday mornings that you're rubbing shoulders with, people that God has put into your life. And if you will share with these people, you will find that God has surrounded you with everything you need to make it happen. I used to think that my destiny was way out in front of me somewhere, but what I discovered is my destiny was all around me, and I didn't even know it. Everything God needed to fulfill the destiny on my life was all around me. I was already connected to it, and I didn't know it. Can I hear an amen? So we are in the second month of a new year, and here's what I found. You ought to write this down. Nothing really shifts until we do. Nothing really shifts until we do. We have to take ownership of our own spiritual journeys. The enemy has infiltrated Christianity unto the point that we smear faith on everything when it's really not faith, it's denial. But we like to call it faith because if we can call it faith and walk in denial, then we don't have to do anything. Can I hear an amen in this church? Is this a church or a morgue? I'm not sure. Come on, everybody say amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit is like, I'm going to need you to stand up and walk by faith and to move into what I've called you into and step through the doors that I've opened for you, but you're going to have to activate, you're going to have to activate, everybody say activate, what you hear. We are called to build on purpose. We are called to build on purpose. If you had to fill in the blank today, what would you say you are called to build? What are you, specifically you, personally called to build? If you're married, then you're building a marriage. If you have children, then you're building a family. Are you building a career? Are you helping your church build the kingdom? What are you building right now? And if you're building, are you building on purpose? Are you just sporadically building things and you're not sure even what you're building? Is there intentionality? See, there's dual meaning with building on purpose, meaning intentionally. And are you building on a foundation that will last? So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there, and we'll get there momentarily. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, and we'll close with this passage. But I want to read Proverbs 19.21 in your hearing. And this is what it says. If we have that, let's put it up on the screen. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Everybody say, it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. So we can scratch whatever goals that we would like to in our new agenda, but if it doesn't align with God's design for your life, it is a waste of time and energy. And I don't know about you, but I don't have time for that, and neither do you. If there's anything that I've discovered personally in my life, if there's any practical thing that I could give you that has been a revelation for me in the past 10 years, it would be this, that I have had to learn to budget my time and my energy. That I'm not just aimlessly going through life doing things that I'm not called to do. So I had to really zero in what is my focus and what am I called to do? What has God gifted me to do? Because what you'll find a lot of times is we'll just start doing a bunch of things that God never intended for us to be doing. So I've had to learn over the last 10 years to really hone in what am I called to do, what am I called to build, 
And then how do I budget my time and how do I budget my energy? Because that's a big deal. So I don't do just a bunch of things. I really hone that in to specific things. Can I hear an amen? And I believe that's what God wants us to do because he's called all of us to build something. How many of you know he's not going to provide for my plans? He's going to provide for his plans. We lived um, a few years ago, Alicia and I, uh, it was a season of our life and it was a fond season of our life. We have a lot of good memories but we knew the assignment was, was going to be short, but the Lord had us uh, at a place, and it was a, a transition place for us, but we bought a home in a brand new neighborhood that was being developed. And when we first looked at this home and looked at this neighborhood, we thought, man, this is a great idea. This is a new home, and I have great resale value. Uh, it is great. Everything seemed great about this. The problem was it, it was a new neighborhood being developed, which meant there was a lot of construction going on. And I did think about that, but my thoughts were, well, that's fine. Where we're going to live, that part of the neighborhood has been mostly developed. And I thought, we'll be fine. It's the other streets that are still being developed. Well, guess what? Across from our home was two vacant lots. And guess what happened about two months after we moved in? They started developing homes on those two lots. And here's what I know when they start building. How many of you know building is messy? And when you're meticulous about your yard like Pastor Jay is, then, amen, Luke, don't say that too strong. <laughs> then you will know. I'll talk, we'll deal with that later. <clears throat> then you will know that I wasn't too happy with the process. So they're building a home, and there's red mud everywhere. And guess when they decided to build? In the middle of winter. So right in front of our home was just the whole asphalt pavement there in front of the home on the street was covered in red clay mud. Well, guess where that red clay mud went when you drove through it into your carport? Right into the garage and up my nice new driveway. And so every day, it was a ritual, every morning and every afternoon when I would come home, I would have my blower. I was trying to get that red dirt off because when it rained, it was just slick mud. And then to complicate matters even more, it was the middle of the winter, and that was the windiest winter I think I've ever experienced. And so those builders, as they're building, um, they have uh, the carpenters and construction guys and bricklayers and all those guys and them sorry electricians. <laughs> anyway, y'all know I am an electrician. But I mean every water bottle, every Gatorade bottle, every orange peel, every apple core. I think these people were raised in barns. Like, man, just get a trash can and pick up your trash. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All their Twinkie wrappers, Snicker wrappers, everything, when the wind blew, guess where it blew? Into my yard. To, from that day to this day, I have a strong disdain for delivery truck drivers. So if you're a delivery truck driver, I'm sorry, but I'd love to talk with you after service. <laughs> what I learned about delivery drivers is they don't care. They don't care about anything other than just dropping off wherever they drop it off. 
I mean, it doesn't have to be at the home that they're delivering to. And so these big bobtail dual-wheel trucks love to go through the corner of my meticulous yard. Beautiful yard. Fertilized yard. They would drive through the corner. I had dual-wheel ruts about that deep through the corner of my yard. So, my blood pressure was as was high as the ruts. So I went out one day and I spotted who I believed to be the contractor because he looked like a con the main contractor. He wasn't dirty. And uh, he was driving a nice truck. And I said, uh, not electrician. And I said, hey, are you the contractor on the sign? Is that who you are? And he said, yes. I said, come over here. Walk with me. We walk over and we show him the ruts in my yard, and I tell him that uh, we have a little come-to-Jesus meeting, and I tell him that he's going to be going to see Jesus sooner than later <laughs> if he didn't fix those ruts. And if one more delivery truck driver went through my yard, he'd be knowing about it. So then I grab stakes, and I drive stakes in the ground with fluorescent pink ribbons. And everybody in the neighborhood, including the contractors knew that I did not want them driving through the corner of my yard. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But guess what? They don't care. They would run over my stakes. <laughs> what I'm trying to paint to you is building is messy. Building is messy. And when you build things, it's a mess. And I believe that I'm talking to people today that you're looking at a dump site in your life. And I believe there's some deliveries spiritually and physically that are happening. There are some people in your life that like to cause drama. And they mess up your yard inside and you don't have peace. And you're like, I've inherited ideas and opinions and obligations and I'm looking at a mess and I'm not sure, Pastor, what I'm even building. And I think for a lot of people, I'm accumulating, but I'm not sure where everything goes. Every biblical spiritual legacy always begins on a foundation of an altar slash threshing floor. And if there's anything I've learned about altars and threshing floors is they're messy. See, what I'm trying to tell you is when you first build and you're getting ready to pour a foundation and you're scratching with that skid steer or whatever device you're using, that it's messy. And sometimes it's muddy. And to me, that is a perfect picture of what an altar is when you come to an altar. When you come and kneel at an altar, it's messy. It's a place of, of where the mess starts happening and the threshing floor is happening and it's where the wheat and the chaff are being separated because in an altar, that's where God is separating things off of you. He's pulling things off of you. He's saying, we don't need this and we don't need that. Amen. It's a messy place, but it's what we have surrendered to God, which is a mess. And then you and Him start the separation journey together. 
To me, that is a depiction of salvation when you first give your life to Jesus. It's where you start. It is certainly not where you finish. Because at the moment of salvation, God begins to separate things off of you. He begins to pull things off of you. Why? We don't want the problems or the trash to multiply. God only wants to multiply the things that are qualified to be multiplied. Altars are about separating things off of you. Can I hear an amen? <clears throat> Write this down. Belief builds. Belief builds. Write this down. What you believe about God is important. What you believe about God is important. What you believe about God is more important than what you believe about yourself. What you believe about God is more important than what you believe about yourself because they're connected, but you have to get the order right. Everybody say this, belief builds. Come on, say it again, belief builds. So I don't know if you noticed, but over the last eight weeks or so, and all the way leading up to Easter, I know right now that is my orders and my assignment. And this process has already began, and you can go back in our archives on YouTube, and you can see what Pastor Jason has been doing, or actually what God has been doing. But I believe what God is doing here at One Community, and we're going to continue this through Easter, is we're going to continue to put foundation stones one on top of the other. And that is what has taken place here at OCC. The identity of who God is to you is the bedrock of your life. It's not mom or dad or grandpa or grandma's opinion, but what does God say about this? Not my denomination I was raised in, not my denominational bias, not what I was told, but what does God say about this? Amen. If we don't know what we believe, then we won't know what to build. If we don't know what we believe, we won't know what to build. And again, in your notes, I'm asking today, God is asking, what are you building? What are you building? Let me ask you this question. Are you building or are you just accumulating? Are you building or are you just accumulating? Most of the time, how we determine what we build is we look at what we have a lot of. But God says, don't look at the resource. Look at the source, which is me. And God says, I will declare what you're called to build, and what you have has nothing to do with it. Amen. Because God is your source. If you would have told me 10 years ago that we would be in a 90,000 foot building and eight acres campus, I would have told you, you are absolutely, positively crazy. Why? God gives you the source. The sources, the resources that you need. Amen? God says, I will declare what you're building. Not you. I will declare what you're building. I don't know if you've ever built anything, but one thing you don't want is a builder that shows up once a week. Builders show up every day. And I believe at OCC, I'm talking to a church full of builders that will show up not just on Sunday morning for an hour and a half, but will show up on Monday, will show up on Tuesday, will show up on Wednesday, will show up this Thursday at CADC at 7 a.m. and say, we're building the kingdom together here at One Community Church. Can I hear an amen? Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap of praise. Everybody say, builders, show up every day. Jeremiah 29, 11. We'll probably use this verse a lot when we go into the blueprint part of this sermon. 
God says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and plans to give you a future. I want to tell you there is hope and there is future with God. You look at America, you look at what is going on in America right now. Did y'all know that Americans are consuming 80% of pharmaceuticals? In America, 80% of the pharmaceuticals are being consumed by Americans, and especially as it relates to antidepressants. What is, what is depression? Depression is no hope and no future, but God has come to give you a hope and to give you a future, declares God. Come on, church. He wants to give you a hope. He wants to give you a future. And what you see is not all there is. God has something for you. Paul said we see through a glass darkly. We cannot see face to face right now what we're going to see one day. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. Neither has it entered the hearts of man the things God has prepared for them. Can I hear an amen? God says, I know the plans I have for you. Everybody say, God said. How many of you know God is the architect? So let's, let's paint a picture here. Come on, everybody look at me. We're painting a picture. God is the architect. Guess who the builders are? We're the builders. Let's say that again. God is the architect. We are the builders. We are the builders. So here's a question. If God is the architect and we are the builders, don't you think we need those set of plans? We need the blueprint. I said, we need the blueprint. I'm responsible and you're responsible for getting the blueprint and following it. The problem is we don't like reading instructions. Amen. One time Luke and I put a basketball to get a goal together one time in my mom's garage when he was young. And it was a mess. And Luke said, Dad, did you read the destructions? <laughs> I said, that's what it feels like to me. Let me ask you, have you ever put anything together? My wife knows. Don't you dare buy anything I have to put together. Don't you even look at it. Don't even smell of it. I don't want it in my house if I have to put it together. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Did y'all know that's very similar to discipleship? That's what discipleship is. Well, I wanted it put together. <laughs> I wanted it built and put together. Then God says, you have the plans, you put it together. That's why it is important that, how do I say this, Lord? I want to say this in a nice way that my mom won't fire me. That's why it is important that your rear end is in these seats every weekend and every week because God is building something and you need the blueprint. Come on, you need the blueprint. Was that nice enough? I was thinking of other words, but I went with rear end. Not because, listen, why, do your, why does your rear end need to be in these seats? Not because I'm the voice of the Lord, because I'm not the voice of the Lord's but I am the echo of the voice of the Lord. As any pastor should be, before I was the pastor of this great church, I was a disciple of this great church. I remember sitting on the front row, hearing my dad preach what the Holy Spirit had already been saying. Why? Because he was the echo of confirmation to my spirit. So he was just echoing what God had already been saying to me. 
The more you read the Bible, the more you pray, the more you sit under anointed preaching and teaching, the more you readily discern what God's voice sounds like and the more readily you discern what the devil's voice sounds like because you know what God sounds like. The devil gives destruction. God gives instruction. God prompts. He doesn't push. He doesn't drive. He compels and he draws you. And you start to understand, listen to my words, you start understanding the cadence and the rhythm of God speaking. There's a cadence, there is a rhythm to God speaking. That's why church and reading your Bible and these daily disciplines are so important. Why are they important, Pastor? Because they're rhythm. There's, there's a rhythm to following God. There is a cadence to following God. There is a rhythm to hearing God's voice, a cadence. And the only way to hear that rhythm and to get into that cadence is to get in the flow of what God is doing. And I believe at One Community Church, we're right in the middle of the flow of what God is doing. So you have to get in the flow. That's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's a cadence to that, Tara. There's a cadence to hearing the voice of God. And the more you're in that cadence and the more you're in that rhythm, the more you start hearing God clearly and directly. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Everybody say cadence and rhythm. When I preach on Sunday, I'm just echoing what God is already saying to you, and that's important. I see these t-shirts that say, be the church. Well, that's real cool and trendy, but you can't be the church and never go to church. That's why there's so much church hurt because the enemy fights intimate, authentic relationships. That's why there's so much fake surface stuff in church. I call it pretend church. And there are people all over Union County and Everett County and Parish in the United States this morning in service, in service right now. And guess what they're doing? They're pretending to be something they're not. They're fake. Saying they're one thing yet doing something else. They talk the talk, but they can't walk the walk. Can I hear an amen on that one? They're pretending. And as soon as you need to have a truthful, authentic conversation with someone right before your relationship is going to go to another level, which is when that happens, it's in vulnerability and honesty. When I get honest before God and I get honest before people, then guess what happens before we can have those honest, vulnerable conversations? We get mad and offended and run off because we don't want to face the reality of who we really are. There is, a, there is a cumulative power in being surrounded by others on the same team. How many of you know I can say, I'm married, I'm married, I'm married. But if I never go home, I ain't going to be married very long. Is that South Arkansas enough for y'all? So you can say, I'm the church, I'm the church, I'm the church. But if you never go to church, you ain't going to be the church very long because you need the church to be the church. Man, I'm preaching pretty good. Even in a thunderstorm, I'm preaching good. <laughs> let me tell you something. Don't let the devil get you offended. Can I say that again? Don't let the devil get you offended. Listen, why? Because you're giving him too much power. You're giving him too much power and you're giving people too much power who didn't speak to you right or didn't speak to you at all. Steal what God has for you. 
This place right here, one community, is a well of water. And I don't care who you are and if you speak to me, if you don't speak to me, I'm making my way to the well because I need what's in that well. I don't care who you are. You're not taking what God has for me. You're not taking what God has for me. The Word of God is water and you cannot live without it. This is a well of water. And I need that water. I need your water, Lord. Listen, churches are never going to be perfect as long as there's people in them. And if you and I are there, they're not perfect anymore. Is that right? Oh, I want to say something so bad, but I'm not sure how you're going to take it. Y'all want me to say it? <laughs> it's a rowdy bunch. Y'all rowdy in thunderstorms. Here it goes. Are y'all ready? We expect so much of other people we don't expect from ourselves given the same situation. Help us, Lord. We expect so much of other people we don't expect from ourselves given the same situation. How many of you know we're not called to build our own legacy? We're called to build the kingdom of God, and that means working with other people. And what I know to be true is when you put your hands to work building the kingdom of God, he says, if you build my house, I will build your house. And what I know about God is he don't build anything that don't last. To go where we're going as a church, one community church, our serve teams need two or three times more people to go where God's building this thing. I'm telling you, God is building something amazing. God is building something amazing. And I'm going to say some stuff tonight and next Sunday night uh, at Cornerstone about some stuff that, that I think is going to be even poignant and applicable to here. Because first God has to prune something before he can grow something. And God is getting ready to build something here at OCC, and we need people. I'm telling you, we need people to realize I'm building something. I'm doing something for the kingdom. Why? Because you have no idea when you're bumping shoulders with somebody out there the insight and the open door and the critical conversations God, God has for you. Why? He has to get supplies to you, but if you're never around other builders, how are you going to receive knowledge to build? If you're never around other builders, how are you going to know and have the knowledge to build something yourself? <laughs> I got tickled. Oh, I'm going everywhere but where I'm supposed to be going. Um, quick story. I heard a, I heard a guy say, the, uh, this was a while back, I overheard a conversation. I hear overhear a lot of conversations. And I overheard this guy say, he was a single guy and uh, never been married. And there was a group of people around him. And they said, um, they said, hey, what are you looking for in a woman? And he said, well, I'm looking at for a, a, an 11 out of 10 kind of woman. And one of the women that overheard him say that said to him, she said, are you an 11? You know, I think it's time we start expecting of ourselves what we put on other people. Let me, let me say, are you a builder? And if you are, are you happy with what you're building so far? And if not, what do you do with the bad foundation that you've built on until now? In South Arkansas, we know what a bad foundation is with this crawfishy river bottom mud ground we have around here. 
When you have a bad foundation, they don't come and knock the whole house down. No, they come and they drill deep down into the ground and they inject the other elements in the soil that your dirt is lacking to make sure it is strong enough to hold the concrete or the weight of what God is building or the construction people are building. Is that right? Write this down. Cracks are symptoms that you have a bad foundation. Cracks are symptoms that you have a bad foundation. Just because you have a bad foundation in the spiritual, God doesn't want to tear everything down that you've built. And that's not how it worked in the Bible because no one in the Bible had a perfect life and obeyed God every minute. They made mistakes, but the one powerful decision all of them in the Bible made is they used their life as an altar. Which means they said, God, whatever you want to do, here I am and let me decrease and let you increase because you know what you're building and I don't. Write this down. God never asks for anything out of you that he's not already deposited in you. God never asks anything from you that he's not already deposited in you. And I'm almost done. But I want to give you a few stories in the Bible. Do y'all remember the story in Genesis of Cain and Abel? Y'all know this story? It's the first place in the Bible that we see an altar slash offering. God said to Cain, I learned something about you, Cain. He said, what I learned about you is that I'm not first place anymore. You ate your offering. You kept it and you enjoyed it for yourself. Because I know I'm not first to you anymore, but I still love you like a father would love a son. But Cain, I'm going to warn you. I want you all to write this down. When God is first, you don't have to worry what's on the other side of the door. When God is first, you don't have to worry what's on the other side of the door. Why? Because He goes through the door first. Whatever or whoever goes through the door first is the first one to do battle, and God is the conqueror we need, and all we have to do is go through and enjoy the winnings or the spoils that are left over after the fight if God is first. Cain, I love you, but sin is crouching at the door. Cain, because I'm not first place in your life, then you're going to have to go through the door first and you have to deal with whatever adversaries are on the other side of that door. Why? Because I'm not first. And if you'd have put me first, I would have went through the door first. That is such a depiction of the tithe and the offering. When you give to God, God goes through the door first. I see people that uh, my dishwasher's broke, our car broke down, the roof is leaking. And I just want to say so badly, why is God not first? Because when God goes first, He takes care of the adversaries on the other side of the door. Amen. An altar and offering shows God how consecrated and dedicated we are to really building what He's called us to build. Or is it about our agendas and our plans and what we want? For Cain, it was he wanted success. So I'm going to taste first rather than give it to God. The next altar slash offering that we see is Abraham offering Isaac to the Lord. Write this down. Every covenant relationship we enter is going to require sacrifice. Every covenant relationship we enter is going to require sacrifice. On a mountain called Moriah, God multiplied the sacrifice. Every altar slash sacrificial offering is a place of separation so God can impart revelation. That's what altars are for. 
That's what offerings are for. It is a place of separation so God can breathe revelation. You don't need this, you don't need this, but you're going to need to keep this because I want to multiply this. What about David? The same mountain that, that Abraham took Isaac. The very same mountain, Mount Moriah, that Abraham took Isaac. God told David, this is where the temple should be. And David buys it from a group of people called the Jebusites. And they believed in David so much, the Jebusites wanted to give it to him. But David said these famous words that all of us have heard. He said, I will not give God anything that doesn't cost me something. From this day to our day, it is the place in Jerusalem where the Temple Mount is. They didn't steal it. They didn't fight over it. He bought it. This became the place where the Holy of Holies was. It was the place where God dwelled. Why? Because God dwells in places of separation so He can impart revelation. That's why we had 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's building an altar. It's a place of separation. It cost us something. It's separation so God can impart revelation. An altar is where God goes through every broken thing in my life. And God says we can do it together. I need you to get rid of this and I need you to get rid of that. But I want you to keep this so I can multiply it. It's consecration. Everybody shout out consecration. This is a good nugget. Surrendered brokenness becomes the building blocks of a godly life. Surrendered brokenness becomes the building blocks of a godly life. An altar... It's for when you don't know what to keep and what to throw away, God comes along and He helps you cipher through the mess and the trash. And he's, he, he gets rid of what we don't need so He can impart what we do need. God helps you. This is good. When it gets your attention, it gets God's attention. When it gets your attention, it gets God's attention. Write this down. You need to feel it. You need to feel it. If it doesn't get your attention, it probably won't get God's attention. You need to feel it. Did you know, and I'm going to close here in just a moment, but you know, I do a lot of reading and I read random stuff, but I read this the other day. And it, it, it grieved me and it broke my heart. And really, it can be summed up in one word, and the word is sin. Little word, so much power. We've let sin come into this country. I read this the other day. Did you know gaming and porn have taken over the number one and number two addictions in our country over alcohol and drugs? Gaming and porn. Why? Because it's, it's a false world and we can escape somewhere and pretend. We don't realize how much of our lives are being stolen from us. I don't know where my phone went. But so much of our life is being stolen from us. Mindlessly scrolling. And we're not building anything. We're just... Wasting precious God-given time looking at a screen.
Can I tell you today, God wants to build you a life that you don't need to escape from. He wants to build you a life that you don't have to run from and you don't have to live in a pretend world. And I want to tell you today, it's good. It is so good. Christianity is the best gig going. It is the best thing out there. I'm telling you, the life that God will give you will absolutely amaze you. What God has done for me, I've never seen nothing like it. I have never seen anything like what God has done for this this guy right here. God will bless you beyond anything that you can imagine. Ephesians 3.20, exceedingly, abundantly, above what you could dare to ask or think. Man, I feel the Lord. He just moved in here. Y'all feel that? My Lord, he's in here. Come on, lift your hands right now. Lift your hands. Marianne, let's close this thing. Let's wrap this thing up. Father, we praise you right now. We praise you right now. Hallelujah. She comes and she plays. Let's read our text. And we'll put a bow on this thing and we'll end it. Matthew chapter 7. Guys, let's put it up on the screens. Verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Next verse. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on what, church? On the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Verse 27, we'll close with this one. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. What's the difference between a wise builder and a foolish builder? They both hear the same words. The difference is in the doing, not just the hearing. The wise take what they've learned and they put it into practice. Practice doesn't mean perfect. But today my challenge to you in this room and watching online is choose to be a wise builder. Today I speak to the spirit of discouragement. I speak to the spirit of overwhelmness in this room when all the while all I have to do is build an altar. Lord, help us practice not having the answers. And Lord, let my words be few. And Lord, let me practice being a hearer and an activator. Not just one who lets, as another parable says, lets the seed fall on rocky soil. Same storm, two different builders. We live in a world where bad things happen, but the difference between standing or falling is the Word of God and using it to build our lives on God's purposes. 
It's really not about what we keep or throw away. It's how have we built our life on a foundation, on His foundation. Why? Because the foundation holds the full weight of what God wants to build. There are plans in this room and online yet to be built. And the reason is, is because we're not intentional. And God today wants us to be intentional. We surrender our plans to you, Lord. We surrender our agendas to you right now. God, help us to be intentional about what we're building. What are you building? Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.